there are nights when I'm, when I'm excited about RUF because I like RUF, and there are nights when I'm excited about it because I just desperately need the Lord and his word to comfort me, as I know you do too. So that is how I'm, that is how I'm coming to you tonight, and, um, and I'm really, really thankful that God has a good word for us tonight. Um, if you have not met me yet, my name is Lewis Lovett. I'm the campus minister. I hope I get to meet all of you soon uh, and see you in person, uh, if at all safe and possible. Um, we're continuing this series in, in James, and we've been talking in the first two weeks of James about trials, uh, about uh, the, the fact that we can actually have joy in the midst of trials because even though we're in hard times, God is doing big things in our, in our lives and in our own hearts and through us in, in our worlds and our communities and relationships around us. And then we talked the second week about staying steadfast in trials, about uh, this firmness of faith and endurance because of the crown of life, this eternal hope that's in store for us, that's really one of the core motivations of the Christian life. And so uh, tonight we're going to see the, the resource that James gives us, like the how. How do we have what it takes to stay steadfast and have joy? So uh, with that in mind, uh, let us look at James 1. It's verses 19 to 27, the, the second half of James 1. Uh, it should be on your screen. Please, please read along with me. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful for a chance to, uh, to pause and to worship. We're grateful for a chance to open your word, and we need it. Uh, only you know the depths of what we've been through even this day and this week and this year. But you know and you care and you know what we need. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be at work through your word right now so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I came of age in the pre-iPhone era, the pre-smartphone era, which means that when I, I was a teenager and in high school and wanted to talk to my friends at the end of the day, I would call them on my phone. We did not text. You could text. It was not a thing. We just called each other. And um, there were sort of two ways to, to call. One was to go to your contacts and then to click through using the numbers and find like, you know, first P and then A and, you know, go through and find a contact. And it would take, I would say, 20 to 30 seconds to find a contact in your phone. And, uh, but my two best friends, Patrick and Will, who now have different numbers, in case you're, you know, going to write this down, but I just have their numbers memorized. Like, Patrick is 5673199 and Will is 3866418. Like, it's, it's imprinted into my soul forever because those numbers I, I typed in so many times that it became much quicker to just type in the number, which you can do in about two seconds than it is to scroll through the contacts. And when I met Maggie, my, who's now my wife, um, I'd never memorized her number. I had it in my phone because by that time I had favorites. 
which is sort of like the leading edge of technology at the time. And so I could just look her up in my favorites, because she's one of my favorites, and <laughs> find her number. It took like two or three seconds. And we, we got engaged. I remember thinking, like, what if I don't have my phone? I don't know how to call my wife. And I sat down. It took like 30 minutes and memorized her phone number as like a 22-year-old, because I just really needed to do it. The, the, the point I'm making is that there is a difference between having access to something and knowing how to get it and being familiar with it and having it really stick in your mind and in your heart. There's just a difference between having that and having it stick in your mind and your heart. And that's what this passage in, in James is really about. It's about having something that is, is not, just, uh, not just that you're aware of, not that you're familiar with, not just that you have access to, but that is stuck into your mind and into your heart. And it's the thing that he says that we really need more than anything else if we're going to survive and endure and be steadfast and have joy in trials. And it's the word. It's the word of, of God. So what I want to do tonight is I want to look at, at three things he says about the word that we need to do, that we're called to do. The first is to receive God's word. The second is to do God's word. And then the third is to be freed by God's word. So... First, uh, James and God calls us to receive uh, God's word. And so this is really, uh, it's a follow-up on the first half of James 1 on trials, where we've been talking about what God is doing in us. We've been talking about what our motivation is. And and I just, I want to stop and I want to say that the fact that God addresses the trials of our life should, should comfort you. It should encourage you. Because what that means is that like God sees that you have to wear a mask like six hours a day, and he cares about it. And he knows how uncomfortable it is, and he knows that it's messing up your complexion, and he knows that it's hot and stuffy under there. Like he, he actually cares about it, right? He, he cares that you're isolated from your friends, and you feel lonely. He, he cares about it. He cares that you feel disconnected and disengaged from your campus. He, he cares that learning is just frustrating and hard. He cares that the anxiety levels right now are just like through the roof everywhere we go and everyone we meet. He cares that you're frustrated and brokenhearted about injustice in the world and in your own life and community. God cares about these things. That's why he talks about it and actually should be comforting to us. And what James is saying is that not only does God care, but he's given you a gift to be a resource for you, to give you what you need in the midst of trials and that's, and that's his word. And what he starts is he starts by listing some of the temptations that we have during trials. And he mentions being quick to speak and being quick to anger. Quick to speak and quick to anger. We'll, we'll come back to those in, in a second. He says, put away that wickedness. And then verse 21 says, receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness the implanted word which can save your soul. And that's really, really hard to do. <laughs> It's really, really hard to just put away our filth and our wickedness and just receive uh, this, this word. And, you know, if, if, you're not, uh, if you're not a Christian and you're, and you're listening on our Zoom or you're here, uh, I, I don't know how you think about the brokenness in the world or in your own life, but, but Christians believe that uh, brokenness and sin is not just something that is out there. It is something that is, that is in here, that is inside. It's actually a part of all of our lives and our stories. And And James says the answer to that brokenness, how do you resist that temptation to sin, that rampant wickedness? It's actually to receive the word. And and when he says receive the implanted, think about that word implanted. Put deep underground the soil of your heart and of your mind and of your imagination. And the word he says, he says receive it with meekness. 
which is a word you may be familiar with from Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek. Meekness is this willingness, this teachability that says, I'm willing to give up my own agenda and follow God's agenda for my life instead. It's the confidence that knows you don't have to follow your own, your own way. It's this teachability. And God says, that's actually the answer. You can't just try harder not to sin. Have you guys ever tried hard not to sin? It, it doesn't even make sense. That's not a thing we have really power over. He says the thing you have to do is cultivate an attitude towards God's word. We have to receive it. So that's, a, that's the first thing tonight. The, the second thing is, uh, is we have to do God's word. And the, and the way that we know that God's work is, is implanted in us is that our lives start to change. He says in verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. And the image that he gives is a mirror of someone who is like looking into a mirror and they see their face. And then when they look away, they forget what they look like. And uh, it's, it's a very humble metaphor. I think for some of us, if we spent a lot of time looking in the mirror, we'd remember like every contour and every, you know, beautiful imperfection that we have. But, but that's what he says. And he says, if you want to be a doer of the word, you have to do more than just glance at, you have to do more just glance at it occasionally. You have to do more than just take a quick look and then head out the door. You have, you have to gaze at it. But as we were setting up, we're here at Grace, at Grace Church where, where I worship. And uh, as we were, the band was setting up, there was this beautiful sunset happening. And we kind of just like stopped and went to look at it. And that's what I was thinking of, that, that gaze. It's like, I'm trying to let this moment sink into my mind, into my soul. I'm trying to figure like, what is that color? What would I call that? I don't even know, but I love it. And it feels like heaven. That that kind of deep gaze, the kind of gaze that you, that you have when you see a mountain or a sunset or when you look into the eyes of someone that you, that you deeply love. So that's the kind of eyes you have to have to look at God's word if you want to be someone who, who is a doer of the word, who wants to have the courage to understand and obey the difficult teaching in God's word about things like purity and generosity and service and sacrifice. You have to really look if you want that implanted thing. And, and we're called in this passage, in this very passage, one of the things we're called to do is to be slow to speak and, and slow to anger. And we'll see at the end of this passage that it's, it's sort of one of the signs that God's word has been implanted in you is that you have, you have a bridle on your tongue. You have a control over what you say. And, and I want to just say a quick word about this because it's so explicit in this, in this passage. Because we, we live in a, in a unique moment in history in terms of things that divide us, Right? We got Trump and we got Biden. We got change the name and don't change the name. We've got defund the police and defend the police. We've got like 800,000 different attitudes about how you're supposed to live correctly during COVID. Like we have all of these different things that, that, that we're struggling with. And the call on God's word on us and these kinds of issues is really specifically to be slow to anger and slow to speak. Slow to anger and slow to speak. Now, notice that the Bible does not say don't have anger. It says don't have quick anger, because some anger is good. Anger over injustice in the world is godly and holy thing. That's righteous anger. It's the kind of anger that Jesus had in his heart when he walked in his father's house in the temple and saw people making money off of other people's religious insecurities. It's the kind of thing he felt in his heart when he fashioned a whip out of the leather that he found on the ground to drive the animals out. But don't be quick to anger and quick to speak. And so I just want to urge you, wanna, I want to encourage you to be careful with your words right now. I want, you to be, I want to encourage you to be careful with your posts right now as these things are happening because there is a temptation to be quick with our words 
and quick with our anger. And when we do that, it, it causes division and bitterness and fear in us and in, and in others. And God calls us to use our words with, with a gentleness and with humility, with, with meekness, that says it's not just my own agenda, but God's agenda that I want to pursue, okay? So that's my stick. Be, be careful there. And um, this, this being a doer of the word, this also is, uh, is really, really hard. And I, and I want to remind you that if, uh, if you're like me, you hear this kind of thing, you think like, okay, I'm, like, I'm just here in my life alone trying to do this. And this is really, really hard too. Like I'm struggling all the time. And so one, you know, one of my encouragements for you guys when it, when it comes to this being a doer of the word is the reality that we just really need each other. Uh, this is one of the reasons that we're called to, to look and gaze at God's word. It's because on our own, we, we can't reason the right things to do. Uh, this is one of the reasons why you hear me over and over again talk about how important it is to prioritize relationships with other Christians if you're a Christian. It's because you need people in your life to point you to God's word and to hold you accountable to God's word and to encourage you. We, we really need that. This is why we do small groups. We don't just do small groups because it's fun to make friends, even though it is so fun to make friends. We, we do small groups because we need each other if we're going to try to follow God. It's impossible to do alone, right? That's my small group plug. It's, it's a thing that we're striving for together, okay? So that's, we receive God's word and we do God's word. Lastly tonight, um, when you, when you start talking about being a doer of God's word, if, if you were anything like me, this is where the shame starts to sort of settle into my, to my psyche. Because if I think about what God's word calls me to, and then I think about how I've, how I've thought and spoken and behaved and been motivated in the past 24 hours, it's kind of a train wreck. It's kind of a nightmare. Because I've fallen short in so many moments. And in fact, in almost every moment, it, it seems like. And so we're going to end tonight with, with James calling our lives to be freed by, by God's word. Verse, this is verse 25. It says, those, those who are doers of the word look to what's described as the perfect law, the law of liberty. Have you ever heard or thought of God's law as the rules, as liberty? The law of liberation and freedom and redemption? The the word that you have to do is actually the word of grace and forgiveness and mercy to you. The word that you have to do is the kind of word that elevates the, the lowly and the vulnerable. That's why James says at the end of this passage, you want to know what true religion is? You don't want to know what real spirituality is? Go care for orphans and widows. Go care for people who don't have anyone to care for them. Give up your time to elevate those who are lowly. That's what, that's what, the, word, that's what the word teaches us. And the word that you, that you have to do is the story, the great story of God's love for you. The story of how even though we don't measure up, he relentlessly pursues us. He relentlessly takes us back. He relentlessly forgives us. It's a story full of all bad characters, all ruined people, all people who mess up except for one who came and took it all on himself in his death, and who gives us new life in his resurrection. That's the word that you do. It's actually a word of grace. And it's a grace to you and me tonight. And so I want to I wanna ask you that if you need, if there's places that you feel like you need strength to obey, you're called to look to God's word. But I also want to say if you feel worn out and ashamed and tired and guilty and filthy, God's word sets you free in that as well. So where do you need to be set free tonight? 
Where do you feel trapped tonight? Where do you feel caught? Where do you feel like you're overwhelmed and drowning? It's such a temptation, especially amongst a community of such uh, overachievers, to think that the answer is to do more and to try harder and to be better. And it's not. The answer is you have been set free. The answer is the word that God calls you to live by is a word that affirms and confirms to you a message of acceptance and forgiveness and love and mercy every single day of our lives. And, and I don't know about you, but, but sometimes when I think about God's mercy and I think about my day, sometimes it just doesn't feel like it's enough. You have days like that? Yeah, I kind of believe God forgives me, but I, I'm not better yet. I'm not comforted yet. And so the call is keep going back to that mirror. Keep, keep going back. Keep reading. Keep praying. Keep worshiping. Keep singing. We, we are, we're doing these Bible reading groups on campus, and there's a, a guy who came to our Bible reading group uh, on John 1 today who doesn't even go to WNL, and I found his Frisbee on the disc golf course yesterday and texted him, and he lives in BV, and he came, and we talked about John 1. And, and he, he talked about, we're, we're, we're reading John 1, which talks about the light coming into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We kept talking about darkness and light. And he, he talked about this uh, tunnel in Afton, which I've actually been through, but there's this, there's this old railway tunnel in Afton Mountain that's almost a mile long that you can, you can walk through. Uh, there's, there's, actually, there's actually two of them. One of them was used, I think, as a, like a natural gas depository at some point, and you, can, you have to crawl through these pipes inside. But, but he was describing, what I was remembering as he described it, is that as you walk inside, you're kind of walking from the light into the darkness. And as you walk deeper in, it gets just pitch dark around you. And you get to a point where you can see the other side, but all you can really see is this tiny pinprick of light in the darkness all around you. And as, as, he, was, as he was describing this, I was like, that, is, that, was, that was today for me. That's the Christian life. And I feel like there's darkness all around me, and I'm swimming in it, but I see this prick of light. And I, I don't know what else is going on, but I'm going to follow that light. And in fact, that light is not just something you can follow. That's the light that is calling you, that is inviting you home, that is saying, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He longs to give you rest through the gift of his word to us in times of trial. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the comfort that it is to us in trial. Lord, I pray that you would make us meek so that we might receive it. I pray that you would, Lord, help us to gaze at it so that we don't forget it when we turn away, but it starts to transform our lives. And Lord, you know, and you know even more than we do, how inadequately we can do this. And we have done it even this day. Thank you that your word is a law of liberty. Thank you for the message and the work of Jesus on the cross and raising from the dead so that we might be free, free from sin and shame. Lord, I pray that that would empower us uh, even today, that it would motivate us and encourage us to keep our eyes on you even when you feel like a teeny a spot of light in the distance of a dark tunnel. Thank you that you are inviting us to life in you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.